All right, get your Bibles open to Ephesians 4. Get your seatbelts on. Put your mouth guard in. Pastor, why do we need a mouth guard? I don't know. I just said that. But uh, we're going to go fast and furious. And I don't want any of you giving me that mouth breather look. All right? So that's maybe why I want you guys to put the mouth guard. No mouth breathing, Brian. All right? You've got to smile at me, but keep your lips together so you look like you're getting it. All right? I want to make sure you're going to get what I'm talking about today because this is so important. Last week, we were kicking off Ephesians 4. I want to go there. We're going to follow along on the screen, Ephesians 4, 7, and 8, and then verses 11 through 13. However, each uh, God rather has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. This is why the scriptures say, when he ascended, meaning Jesus, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and he gave gifts to his people. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, and here's five of them. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why five? What's significant about five again? Five is a number of grace. These are gifts God gives through his grace to people so that we can receive the grace. Now, I, I got to just pause here because this is important. The reason why the Bible is so redundant in telling us, commanding us, challenging us to love one another is because the vehicle by which you receive God's grace, 99 times out of 100, comes through a person. And if you are full of anger and unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment and you murmur and you judge people, it's like taking a garden hose and putting a kink in it. And the very person you have problems with or that you've judged or that you've been critical of is the very person God's probably trying to release grace into your life. And that's why the Lord keeps saying, hey, you guys love each other. Will you work overtime to maintain peace and unity? Will you please guard your mouth so that you're only speaking life-giving words and not destructive words? Why is he doing that? Listen, because he's trying to release grace to us. And that grace comes through gifts, and those gifts are in people. And if you don't, if Lynn and I have a problem with each other, guess what's happening? Ain't no grace flowing here. And if you multiply that, like the worst thing that can happen is when the devil gets a bunch of God's people up in arms and half the church is against the other half of the church, guess how much grace is flowing? And guess how much the kingdom of God is winning? Not in this place, you hear what I'm saying? So the grace in your life is going to come through relationships. So can I just encourage us with this? Let's work on having great relationships with as many people as we possibly can. Let's work at having great relationships everywhere we go, with everyone we meet. Does this make sense? You know why? Because I want to be like my wife. I want to be a grace hog. She says I'm a grace hog. Not me, but that's what she says about her. Being a grace hog is a good thing because we need as much grace as we can get from God. But you're going to get that through people. So treat people well. Love people well. Care for people well. Look what it says next. What's the responsibility of these gifts in God's people? The responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, which is the body of Christ. And notice, this is going to continue, how long? Until we have such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we're mature. Everybody say mature. And we're measuring up to the full standard of Jesus Christ. How many of you know that's why these gifts are still operating? Because we haven't arrived yet. 
Just turn to the person next to you and say, hey, buddy, you haven't arrived yet. Just tell them that, all right? Smile on your face. Smile on your face. No one's going to be offended either because I just challenge you, all right? I just challenge you. Don't do that. So here's the deal. Jesus is the gold standard. Jesus is all those five gifts in their fullness. But what does Jesus do? He's releasing that to you and I so that the body of Christ is supposed to look like Jesus and act like Jesus and move in the power and anointing of Jesus. How's that for a great vision? Are you all awake still? I'm talking to you. I'm talking about us. This is what God's called us to do. The goal, again, is maturity. And I gave you last week, in verse 16, there's three things that that are pictures of what a healthy, mature church looks like. I already gave you one of them. Three things. Healthy, growing, and full of love. Say those with me. Healthy, growing, full of love. How do you know you're part of a great church that's moving into maturity? There's health there. You feel good. You know, it doesn't feel weird. It doesn't feel like you feel tension underlying or you can just tell everybody doesn't. No, it's healthy. People love each other. There's a sense of excitement and passion uh, in the people's lives. There's health in the church. It's growing, which means people are being added to the Lord's house on a regular basis. There's new faces every week. Healthy, growing, and look at the last one, full of love. I mean, you know, no one should have a gun to your head encouraging you to go to church. Go to church or else you're going to hell. No, what's that? No, I'll tell you why I'm here. You ready for this? I like you guys. And I like the Lord. And I like being together with God's people. I love it. I love being in church on Sunday morning. I love starting my week off this way. How about you? Um, because you know what? I like you guys. I don't just love you in Christ. I actually like you like a normal person. All right. Today I'm talking about functions. Now, what, no, normally when I would read this verse, here's what, here's what I would think. Oh, well, God gave some special people these titles like pastor, evangelist, all, oh, you know, the religious big shots in the church. That those guys wear those titles, and then they're supposed to help us guys become all that Jesus called us to be. Well, there's a little bit of truth to that, but I'm not talking about the offices. That's what, that's what you're thinking, offices of apostle, prophet, pastor. I'm talking today about the functions. Everybody say function. Function, there's a big difference. In other words, what I want to show you today is that there's, a, there, there's an apostolic anointing that should be flowing, a river, a stream flowing through the church, a prophetic stream. All fivefold of these grace gifts have to be flowing through the body of Christ or else we're going to be unhealthy, we're going to be stunted. How many of you have ever played with Mr. Potato Head Doll? We got one for you. I hope so. Jeff, you nodded your head and you put your Potato Head Doll away. You're beyond those days, all right? No, I don't mean literally, all right, yeah. But if you notice Mr. Potato Head, he's got a well-developed head, but his arms are like this big, and he's got little feet, and he's not very well-developed. In fact, Mr., it's not Mr. Potato Body, it's Mr. Potato Head with the little arms and little feet. If the church doesn't get what I'm preaching today, we will look like Mr. Potato Head. Jesus the Head. This little tiny body that's not doing anything, all right? How many of you do not want to be the Mr. Potato Head church, all right? In other words, we're supposed to corporately look like Jesus the head. How's that for awesome? And here's what I, what I want you to see. All of you 
have one or more of these gifts. I shared with you last week, we should not, let me just parenthetically say this. There are certain church cultures that like to emphasize labels. So everybody in the church has a label. When you see somebody, ah, like, oh, Pastor Jerry, Evangelist Amra, Apostle you know, Bill, everybody's got a label. Let me just tell you, I don't think that's very healthy. We don't need a label. We need a function. We need to be flowing in some gifting. Now listen to me. I want you to know your gifting. God wants you to know your gifting. God, you should understand who you are, how you're wired. But you don't need a name tag with a title on it because sometimes we get all hung up on our titles. Or, or how about this? I think, well, my title says I'm evangelist so-and-so. But listen, the Apostle Paul, as he obviously was someone who was very Christ-like, right? The Apostle Paul didn't, he, he, call, he called himself an apostle because that was his main function. But he operated as an evangelist, did he not? He was a great teacher. He was very pastoral. He was prophetic. He spoke the word of the Lord. He gave a hard word. He said, don't make me show up with my paddle. Remember that word he said? He was very prophetic. And here's, the, here's what I challenge us with. The more like Jesus we become, the more of those five gifts we should be moving in. But it does not take away from the fact that you have a lead foot. And your lead foot is something you need to understand because here's why. We will be like Mr. Potato Head without you. <coughs> we need you. We need the anointing on your life. And we need to be moving in all five of these functions. Can somebody rescue my throat? <coughs> Chris, have you got... All right, no. My daughter. Oh, thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> My. Proverbs 31, all over that woman, right? Hallelujah. All right, here we go. So how many of you know the body has functions? We have systems in our body that have to be operating all the systems all the time at once, or you're a sick puppy. You know what I'm talking about. All the nurses should kick in big time right now. Nurses, medical people, I need your amens, all right? I'm, I'm over my head, just trust me, all right? The skeletal system, how many of you think that's kind of important? Provides structure and strength. You would all be blobs without one. You'd just be sitting there. You would be going nowhere. You'd be moving nowhere. You'd be doing nothing. You would be a blob without your skeletal system. How many of you know the apostolic function in a church is the structure and the vision. It's the master plan. It's the structure. It's what holds the systems together and in place, all right? How many of you are grateful for your skeletal system? Just thank, oh, see, I'm just grateful for you. Just talk to your body right now. Your nervous system's kind of important. Has anybody ever touched anything hot? If you touch something hot, you usually go, ha, and you pull your hand off of that. Why? Because you have a healthy nervous system. People that don't have a functioning nervous system would touch something and burn their hand off, literally, because they wouldn't have any sensation. How many of you know the prophetic unction, the prophetic functioning in the church is like the nervous system? It alerts us when there's danger, when there's something wrong. It keeps the body in line and away from harm and in, in doing what the body should be doing. How about the reproductive system? This is the means by which the body multiplies itself. This is the, the role of the evangelist. Now, it's interesting because how many of you know if there was no reproduction, human beings would go extinct? I know that's profound, but write that down. It's pretty profound. All right? With no reproduction, it's only a matter of time before we're all gone. 
Guess what happens in the church? Just go to Europe if you want to see what happens when we lose the evangelistic function. In other words, if there's no new babies in the kingdom, what happens is everybody eventually dies and your church becomes a disco. All right, that's what's happening in Europe. We got churches that are being converted into discos because here's what happened. Everybody got old and died and there was no spiritual reproduction. How many of you think that's kind of important? We should be having new baby Christians born into the nursery every single week or else we die. So how many of you think the reproductive system is pretty important? How about the circulatory system? This is what distributes the food and the oxygen through the entire body and carries away the waste. Well, we're talking here about the pastor who guards the flock, who loves God's people, whose whole desire is to care and nurture uh, the people of God. And lastly, how about the digestive system? The teacher, the digestive system takes the food and allows it to be assimilated into the body. I mean, you know, that's what teachers do. They feed us, but it's not enough just to teach us. They want to make sure we got it. And then how do we know we got it? Because we're living it. It becomes part of our lives. It's like people that eat food and they regurgitate it or it runs right through them. I mean, you know, we got a problem there. That's not a, something's the matter with the digestive system and your body's not going to get nutrients. What happens if, you're, if you go without any food? You die. Well, guess what happens to God's people when they're not fed? Now, I just got to share something with you. I came across a church sign not too long ago that just broke my heart because the church sign was broadcasting trivia night. How many of you know there is absolutely nothing trivial about anything we do around here? How many of you know the gospel is not about trivia? We're about the most important message and the most important activity we can possibly the, the, the biggest The biggest oxymoron is to have the word trivia associated with anything the church does. Because we're not about like, 1963, who starred in such and such movie? Who cares? We have more important things to talk about around here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, some of you enjoy trivia. Please forgive me. That's why I talked about loving me and loving people that irritate you. All right? That was your chance. (laughs) But the apostolic, prophetic, pastoral, teacher, evangelist in me revolts at the idea that we would actually gather people and talk about things that don't matter. Because we should be about the most important business on planet Earth, and this is about the most weighty, significant uh, life you could ever live uh, right here. That's what I just want you to know. There will never be a trivia night at Living Stones. All right, I just had to get that out of my system. I said this. Help me out. Prophet, evangelist, leading the way, ring finger, pastor, little finger, teacher, thumb, apostle. When you put those five together, you deliver a punch. You deliver the fullness of the ministry that Jesus wants to deliver in the earth. But without those five gifts operating in harmony, you don't deliver the punch. How many of you are ready to deliver a punch? I mean, we might as well be a part of a church that's making an impact. What do you think? We might as well be a part of a church that's looking like Jesus in the earth. What do you think? We might as well be a church that is radically committed to not being trivial in any way. What do you guys think? All right. All right. So as, here's the deal. I'm going to lay out a blueprint for what a fully functioning church looks like with all five streams. And as I say something that you might 
might resonate with you. You might go, mmm, yes, pastor, amen to that. Give us some more of that, all right? All right, we just need to have church up in here. Are you all with me? Tanisha, that was your cue. I need you ready. You got your, you got your cheer on. Your sons are going, oh, no, Lord, no, pastors getting mama fired up here today. All right, let's talk about the apostolic function. Now, notice I said function because next in the next three weeks, we're going to talk about specific calls. The call means what does it look like in your life? Today I'm talking about function. I'm talking about us, not about me or you, us, all right? Apostolic function. Apostolic people are people who are pioneers, architects, designers. They, they, they conduct or they keep uh, care of the spiritual DNA of the house. They're innovators, they're entrepreneurs. And here's what apostolic function does. It extends Christianity. Everywhere you see leadership that's pushing us beyond our comfort zone, that's apostolic. Everywhere you see planting, uh, growing, in fact, in this ministry, name me some apostolic areas quickly. How about the roar? Like, okay, if we were just focusing on being pastoral, we would not care about any people's needs outside of the church. All right? But how about, yeah, we just, we're operating an apostolic uh, function with the planting of a family from here to Mongolia to plant another CR. Not just this CR, another CR. How I many of you know that's, that's extending the mission of Jesus, not just to us, but to other places. When we planted in Cambodia, we sent our team to Cambodia. That was apostolic. We're, we're being sent. In fact, the word apostle means sent one. How many of you know we're all sent ones? But if none of us listen to the sent message that the apostolic function dies in the local church so we're sent ones we're we're focusing on god's mission and the expansion of that mission and how many of you want to be faithful to the apostolic function on our church we need to be how about this outward focused not just inward focused we're called to be a globe encircling movement everybody say movement a globe encircling movement means we're constantly flexing our muscles and pushing outward, all right? The gates of hell, the Bible says, will not prevail against the church, which means apostolic leadership picks a fight with the gates, kicks in the gates, attacks the gates. We don't hide behind gates. You with me? That's the nature of apostolic function. I love David's shirt. He's gone on today. Come on, David, where are you at? Stand up. You got to model that beautiful shirt. Daring love. Go ahead and spin around. Like, you know, use your ballerina. There we go. Daring love. Oh, come on. You rocked it. You rocked it. See, pastoral love is warm and fuzzy. But daring love says we're going to go love the hard places. We're going to go love the dangerous stuff. We're going to go love people in a way that maybe isn't easy. We're going to move beyond the touchy-feely, warm fuzzies, cotton candy, American love, and we're going to go do daring love. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's apostolic. That T-shirt's apostolic in its thinking. We believe that the Great Commission needs to become the Great Completion, which means we got to be on the move. we got to be going somewhere. You know, I did the whole series not too long ago on disciples, and we said we are making disciples who make disciples. How many of you know that is that reproduction of leadership, Christ followers, that is very apostolic in, in, uh, in its orientation. 
if there are not disciples who make disciples who make disciples, how many of you know you eventually die or you become very stagnant and ingrown? So we need it. We also said this, if you're new to Living Stones, there's two things we do. We grow people and we multiply leaders. Multiplying leaders, apostolic. Why would we have to multiply leaders? Because we're believing there's more people to reach. There's more churches to plant. There's more nations to touch. If you don't have apostolic function in the church, you become very ingrown. Does that make sense? How many of you think apostolic gifting is important in a local church? Let's move to the prophetic. The prophetic folks, these are the artists, the poets, the seers, the mystics, the reformers, the activists, all right? This is what prophetic functioning looks like. Here's what the prophetic folks do. They keep us God-centered. The prophetic function has the vertical dimension and the horizontal dimension. The vertical dimension is this. We want to have God's heart in this place. It's not enough just to come and have an outward form of godliness. God looks on our hearts. How many of you think that's important? Jesus was very prophetic when he said, I don't care that you're worshiping with your, with your lips when your heart is far from me. See, here's the deal. We have a covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ, do we not? And a covenant is like marriage. And imagine if, here's what the prophetic people do. I come up to Ed, and let's just say Ed's being a real jerk in his marriage, and he's quitting. He said, I don't even care about that woman. Blah, 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 blah. He's being stupid. Now, none of you have ever been that way, but Ed's being stupid, all right? And I can just say this to Ed, because I don't think you've ever been stupid in that way, have you? No. All right, good. I didn't think so. <laughs> but the prophetic person would come up to Ed and say, hey, you made a covenant with that woman. You're not fulfilling your end of the deal. Why have you quit? Why are you treating her that way? Why are you walking in unforgiveness? You have a covenant. The prophetic person says this. You have a covenant with the creator of the universe. Let's quit two-time in God. Let's quit the compromise. Let's quit saying one thing and doing another. Let's start acting like God's people. I mean, you know, that's a prophetic voice. And... The prophetic voice this way says, you know what? There's injustice in the world. There's people that are being mistreated. Uh, There's all kinds of sin that's damaging people. We must go be a prophetic voice and do something about it. It's the whole activism cause, justice cause. That's rooted in the heart of God for the justice of poor people, uh, uh, marginalized people, people who are mistreated. This is what the prophetic anointing does. Why do we come here and we just don't do one nice little song and have a seat? Why do we have a worship team and why do we spend time? Why can't we fit four services in before noon? I'll tell you why. It's a stinking worship team. They take so much time up. I don't want to get four services before noon because prophetic people with a prophetic function want to encounter the living God. We're not here to check the list off. We're here to experience God. So the prophetic heart cares about the heart of God the will of God. And man, if you start steering the car off the road, the prophetic voice brings you back in alignment with the purposes of God. Does this make sense? How many think we need prophetic people in this church to help us out? We care about holiness. We care about alignment. We care about faithfulness to God and to his covenant. And how about this? We want to, why, why do we care about prayer? Because man, you can't know the mind of God or the heart of God if you're not in the presence of God. 
So you can go to churches where there's very little prayer, but what you'll find if there's no prayer is there's no prophetic function operating in that church. And without the prophetic function, you're not going to see much done, at least not much done that's lasting. When you take away the prophetic function of the church, you take away the stand, the prophetic stand against unfaithfulness, unrighteousness, and injustice. How many of you know we need to be able to be a church that speaks truth to power, and we need to have a voice to the larger culture, which is why, let me say too, America is in the place that we're in today because we've lost the prophetic function in the church, and we won't speak truth to power, and we won't stand up for the, the, the beauty of the holiness of God in our culture today. We need the apostolic function, and we need the prophetic function to keep us in alignment and moving in the direction of God's purposes. Let's talk about the evangelistic function. These are the, the mobilizers and recruiters and negotiators and achievers in the body of Christ. The evangelistic function exists to communicate the gospel of the kingdom to the world. In other words, the evangelistic function says we have been given a message and we have been given a mission to steward. Now, if we just focus on all of us and having great relationships and loving each other to the exclusion of our mission, in other words, we're a family, but we lose the mission, then we're going to become an irrelevant social club is what's going to happen. We have been given a, a mission from God to steward, and that involves taking the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world, to the unreached. Are you with me? Uh, not just here, and not just in our community, and not just in our nation, and not just uh, in the northern hemisphere. Right? We're talking about going to the nations of the world with the gospel, because that's the message we've been given. Now, I love this. The evangelists are always focusing on the mission. So here's the deal. I want you to see where some of these gifts collide because the prophetic person might be saying, let's just spend time here in the presence of God. And the evangelist is saying, let's get out of here and go talk to somebody about Jesus. To which the prophetic person would say, yes, but you have nothing to say if you haven't been with God. Yes, but once I've been with God, for God's sake, let's go say what he told us to say because people are going to hell. Oh, but we need to have a program that ministers to the needs of these people. But those people are already saved. What are we doing to reach the people that have yet to hear? Can you see how these gifts can cause us to be so frustrated with other people who just are not wired the way we are, which is why we need to keep loving each other, and listen, why we need to appreciate the gifting, right? We need both. We could, have a, we could have a prayer meeting and never leave the church. And guess what would happen over time? The church would die because we'd all die in the prayer closet. There's got to be reproduction. But you can also, I know people that go out, I'm going to go out and get people to pray this prayer. And it's like collecting scalps. And, you know, I mean, you know, that's not the way we win people to the Lord either. There should be something supernatural about this, and which means we've got to walk with God. And we have to have a relationship with God. So it all goes together. I love this. Evangelistic people want a warm, welcoming church culture. Why? Because they want to bring their unsaved friends. Now, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, here's something that I hope you, you experience. We might be a little bit crazy, but we're likable. All right? We're not mean. We smile at this church. All right, just making sure. We smile at this church, which means we're actually having fun, which is something that doesn't go together with many churches, all right? 
We want a warm, loving environment, listen, where people can hear the message and understand it and apply it to their lives. Are you guys with me? All right. Anybody want to be a part of a church like that? We, what we love Jesus. We're enthusiastic about sharing Jesus. We want the global family. We want the church to win everywhere in the world. We're, we're, we're for the church winning. That's what we want. And like I said before, if we stop the evangelistic function, we're just going to become an ingrown social club. A lot of churches have completely lost why they exist, which is another reason why we're, we ain't doing trivia nights, because I know why we exist. That ain't it. You can do that at your house, but that's not why the church of the Lord Jesus Christ exists. We have an important mission. Let's be about our Father's business. Can you say amen to that? All right, very quickly here. I'm moving along. You guys are doing a great job. I could use a little more encouragement, though. Thank you. All right. I need some grace flowing through your hose. All right, let's go. Number four, the shepherd-pastor function. Shepherding functioning looks like elders. It looks like spiritual mamas and papas. It looks like lovers, defenders, caregivers. In fact, the shepherding function of the church exists to build healthy people and community. Can I just say this? This church was led by a shepherd for 30 years. The reason why most of you in this room identify with the shepherd function is because you will be attracted to the message from the pulpit that most resonates with you. Now, this is good and bad. The good is we've got a lot of wonderful, loving people who love people and care for people in this place. Just now turn to the person next to you and say, I know he's talking to you. All right, just tell him that, all right? All right. Some of you are going, I wish he would stop that. (laughs) Okay, listen to me. You're probably not a shepherd. That's all I got to say. You're just not a shepherd. You need to let your love capacity grow a little bit, all right? Just receive that, all right? No, but here's the deal. The reason I try to bring different voices to this pulpit, not just different voices, but different gifting, is because you can't listen to just one out of the five or you'll be stunted. See, here's the deal. Shepherds love everybody to get along. Shepherds love potlucks. Shepherds love fellowship. Shepherds hate apostles. Because apostles say, all right, this was nice. Put away the pots. Let's go, do, let's go extend the kingdom. Let's get to work. Now listen to me. Loving people is work. Caring for their souls is work. But I'm just telling you, it's the evangelists to say, okay, this is great, but we all know each other at this potluck. So let's go talk to some people we don't know who might be desperate for Jesus. Are y'all seeing how this works? But listen, but you still got to have people loving on each other or nobody wants to show up at anything or go witness to anybody. You wouldn't have any place to bring them. So you got to have a warm, loving, caring family, and thank God for the mamas and papas, spiritual mamas and papas in this place. Shepherding function goes after the one lost person to, leaves the 99 behind. The shepherds go after the brokenhearted because they want to see him healed. And I, I, what I, one of the things I love about one of our starting point classes was two things. I was looking at it at Michelle. Uh, can I share what you shared? This wonderful dear lady right here. 
smiling so nice. Your marriage is kicking now, rocking, all this. But I love what she shared as starting point. I was asking people, hey, how'd you get to the church? What do you like about Living Stones? And this is what she said in that setting, which shocked me. I thought it was so awesome. She said, I finally feel like I'm at a place where I can be real and authentic, and I'm in a safe place where I can get healed. And uh, I paraphrase, but that's kind of the gist of it. Now listen to me. The reason she could say that is because the environment here is a shepherding environment. It's where people are loved. You don't have to be perfect. Just show up. You don't have to put up a facade. Just be real. Uh, we'll love you where you're at, and we'll take you on the journey. And the cool thing is, is if you're in a, a shepherding, functioning church, you get a lot of people healed and restored which is really awesome. It's why we're doing the classes on inner healing. It's why we have Celebrate Recovery. When we did launch Celebrate Recovery, all of our greatest leaders left whatever they were leading and jumped into Celebrate Recovery. I mean, I'm, being, I'm, I'm overstating it, but the reason that happened is because they all had shepherd's heart. And they're like, yes, that's what I was created to do is go shepherd people. So you might have a shepherd's heart like that. What I'm saying might be alienate, uh, resonating with you. I, I just read my word here, alienated. We want the relationally alienated, alienated and abandoned to find families. And here's what shepherds want. They want to model before a watching world what love really looks like. How many of you know shepherds care about the quality of our relationships? Like relationships are valuable. How we treat people, valuable. People should come here and be able to find healing from their brokenness. Let me say this about shepherds. We want to model a a culture where we see racial unity and diversity. Now, I was goofing around first service. Dave, I was talking about the discussion that you were having with some folks. Because listen to me. What I love about what you saw here today is at any given Sunday, you're going to see all different shades of people. Now, I know I'm changing shades because I have been out in the sun. Um, Some of you thought I was Hispanic. No, I'm not. I'm working, trying to catch up with David is what I'm trying to do. But... um. I'm working on it. My kids are jealous of my skin. They're jealous of my skin. But, but David was talking to some folks that were visiting the church that came from the same ethnic background that David comes from. And they were wanting to know, is this a place where you can fit in? And I said, David, I didn't know you were black. Because um, I don't, when I look at David, I don't go, hey, Look at that black worship leader. No, David, I just love David. I love, I love Jesus and David. Come on. Now, now, let me just say this. We make two mistakes, all right? We make two mistakes in America. We either act like race is everything, and everybody gets offended over the slightest little thing. I'm glad, I just want to say this. I'm glad I can crack Chinese jokes with Andrew. Andrew doesn't get offended if, you, if we crack a Chinese joke, because you know what? Andrew's my brother in the Lord, and he'll get me back anyway or something else. <laughs> to me, it's a sign of health that we can have fun with each other and the differences God's given to us. So here's the deal. We don't, we don't make race nothing. I'm sorry, we don't make it everything, but we don't make it nothing. In other words, check this out. I thank God for the Latino crowd in the house, because... Guess what's going to happen in just a short while? You're going to eat food like no white person has ever conceived. 
Oh, come on. Oh, my gosh. We, we've got some. How did you, did you come to first service and get that? No, I came early. I heard about Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I watched that guy. I think he left early during worship. Anyway, my point is this. How many of you know heaven is going to be all the nations coming together and check this out, bringing the good redeemed parts of what makes us different so that we can appreciate one another? How about this? Shepherds are all about making sure that we get a foretaste of that now. When somebody from Northwest Indiana comes to Living Stones, they should see Northwest Indiana worshiping in the same place. Now, I had a missiologist professor from Regent University who came and spoke here, and on his way from the airport to the church, he said, I've never seen a more ethnically diverse community than what you have right here. We went past the Macedonians, the Serbians. I mean, you go over here, a few guys, you know, there, everybody is here hanging out in Northwest Indiana. The church is meant to be a picture of what heaven looks like and what our community looks like when Jesus is the center. Come on, you all with me on that? So, so all y'all need to hear me. You are here if you're from a different ethnicity. You are here by assignment because you bring part of the flavor because we can't look like Jesus the head if you're not here and everybody's one color. We will be messed up. We need all y'all. When I go to a basketball game with Tanisha, she's talking up a storm. She's talking to the referee. She's, she's working them. She's cheering her son on. She's cheering my son on. She's probably selling popcorn. She does it all at that. And in my whiteness, I'm like. But she, she makes me start coming alive. When, when David's on the stage and he's going, woo, doing the David thing. Something in my white little self starts feeling more alive. Because <laughs> I know I, I need help. <laughs> Sometimes I embarrass my kids because I start moving my body and I ain't got no rhythm. And, <laughs> and my kids remind me. <laughs> That's why they put me in the corner and this is not turned on during worship. All right, I'm just doing my own thing over there. But I'm just saying this, we need what you bring, and thank God, thank God for the diversity of the body of Christ. We want this to be a spiritual greenhouse where people grow, where people thrive, where people become all that God has intended for them to be. And let me end with this, the teaching function. Teachers are the philosophers, the idea people, the sages, the mentors, the guides. They love knowledge, they love truth. In fact, the teaching function of this teaching gift is to bring wisdom and understanding to the body. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, keep close watch on how you live and on your teaching. I'll tell you this, if you come to Living Stones, we want to make sure that you see the world through the lens of the scriptures and a biblical Christ-centered worldview. The way you see family, the way you see government, the way you see politics, law, education should all be viewed through the lens of biblical Christ-centered truth that comes from the Word of God. How many of you know we are people of the book? 
We don't have to try to guess how this is supposed to work out. We don't have to try to guess what God's heart is, what God thinks about things. When God has spoken, end of discussion. When God says about something, end of discussion. Teachers care about the truth. A teaching function will keep us in line like a plumb line with the truth of God's Word. We should be a church that is profoundly savvy, deep in the knowledge of God and in the Word of God, and also full of that prophetic anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. How about this? Word, Spirit. Word, Spirit. When we got both of those things going, I'm telling you, we're cooking with gas, all right? The church is hopping. So we want to be a church that's grounded in the Word of God. We want to apply biblical truth to what's happening outside there. How many of you believe that the truth sets people free? And so our job is to know the truth, to love the truth, speak the truth, because the truth sets people free. And how about this? Not just that we know it. Some churches, are, they, they're all full of pride, and all, all of our Bible study, all, and their heads get so big like Mr. Potato Head. Because here's what happens. We not only know the truth, but listen, we love it. Mwah, mwah. Mm. Because the truth is a person. His name is Jesus. And whatever I read in here points me to the person. So Jesus is not just a a philosophical construct. Jesus is somebody who's opened my eyes to see him and to love him and to enjoy him. In fact, listen to me. You're not truly born again if there's no enjoyment of God in your heart. It's not about checking off the box. It's about a supernatural encounter with God that awakens a passion for Jesus in your heart so that when we're singing, Jesus, we want more. We want our passion for you to increase. There's a yearning in your heart because you know you're not always there, but you want more. Does this make sense? It's not, a, it's not something you go off to college and st- I'm going to study about Christianity. No, you don't study about Christianity. Christianity studies you. Christianity rips your blinders off. Jesus rocks your world. Jesus changes your perspective, changes your life. That's the gospel. It's not some world religion we study. It's an encounter with the living God. When we encounter him, we get fire in our hearts and we get light in our heads. Fire and light, fire and light. The more light I have, the more fire I have. The more fire I have, the more I long to know God more. It's this beautiful cycle that goes on and it actually makes us lifelong learners who want to act like Jesus and think like Jesus and live like Jesus. How many of you think the teaching function is really, really important? In fact, I'll just say this. If the teaching function is not in a church, the church is not rooted, church isn't grounded, people are immature, people are unstable, and I'd like to say people are fad-driven and flaky. You know what? Some people chase the latest book out there, they chase the latest prophetic idea, they chase the latest... uh, you know, whatever goes on in the world that's supposed to be of significance, and they lose their moorings from thus saith the Lord, and they get off into some stuff that's flaky. I just want to say this. If I have the pleasure of being on this planet uh, another 20 years, uh, I want to be able to look back, because that would have meant I would have been at Living Stone since its very beginning. I want to be able to look back and see that, you know what, this church has been running after God consistently the entire time. Guess what? We're still in business. Guess what? We're still impacting people. Guess what? We're still loving Jesus. Guess what? Signs and wonders are still following the preaching of the word. But we didn't get off into strange, flaky stuff, faddish stuff um, that caused us to miss the mark. So So here's what teachers do. They keep us grounded in truth. 
we need that. But we also need people that push us out of our safety zone of ideas because teacher types can love all this Bible study. It's so great. But they never go out and encounter another person. (gasps) In fact, I'll tell you, I can tell teacher types, I can tell teacher types because when you come to church early, you're not talking to people. You have your Bible open, you're staring like this. Because the problem with teacher types is they're more comfortable with ideas than with people. So they need pastors to say, dude, put away your Bible and go say hi to that new guy. I'm meditating on the word. No. Um, Teachers keep us in balance, but guess what? The other gifts keep us in balance, and all of them together make us look and act like Jesus. So here's what I want you to see. You're going to have the potential to get irritated by people who are wired differently than you, but just like your marriage, when my wife is pointing out that she's different than me, I need to say, thank you, dear. God has brought me together with somebody who thinks not like me, who acts not like me, who has difference of opinion, and who reminds me, listen, that I need her. That's why God gave you to me. So I don't despise the difference. I embrace the difference. I love the difference. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I was being so apostolic the other day in the car, and I was just sharing something with force, and my wife pulled her pastoral prophetic heart out, and she said, Honey, when you say what you said, it made me feel stupid. And I had adrenaline rush through my body. And at that moment, because I've matured a little bit after 35 years, my heart was broken. Because why would I want that response to the person I love the most? And she said, I just felt like I needed to share that with you. (laughs) Now, I didn't say, well, thanks. Let me tell you what I feel. No, I said, (laughs) no. Here's what I did. I said, thank you for sharing that because I don't ever want to make you feel that way but I would have been completely blind to my own dysfunction if God had not put me together with somebody who's different than me so here's the deal I would have this apostolic vision let's go and I'd have some mercy pastoral person by me well pastor did you ever think about this or that person no they never came into my mind but i know they're in your mind and it irritates me because i'm not even thinking about that situation but they reminded me that when we're leading people it's always nice if someone's actually following (laughs) and nobody wants to follow a dictator that's why we need pastoral types come come here put your head right there Because we need all types. My father would say things like, son, we've implemented a lot of change recently. We might want to slow down. Why? We were made for speed. We were made for adventure. We're made for change. Then he reminds me, everybody doesn't think that way. And I would preach this message that I thought, God, everybody's so fired up. The apostolic people were. All the shepherds were like, 
you're irritating me. You're pushing me out of my comfort zone. I don't like change. You don't? It took me I don't know how many years to realize hardly anybody's like me. But guess what? Hardly anybody's like you. You're a masterpiece, right? So this is why, here's the cool thing, we get together in this Living Stones goulash. And everybody just starts doing their thing and, and moving the way God's called us to move. And if we do it under the Holy Spirit and we defer to one or we love each other, we make this incredibly savoring, wonderfully tasting food that we get to export to the world. And people come from all around to get a taste of who we are and what we're about and we're called Living Stones Restaurant. Come on, feeding a lost world. We're, and check this out. Check this out. We're not going to be just a local mom and pop store because of the apostolic. We're going to franchise this thing. We're going global with what we've mastered here. Isn't that good? So the more, here's what we're doing. This is the testing pot. Mm, pretty good. When we get the flavor down, guess what you get to do? Export it. Come on, Big B, you know what I'm talking about. You're always sampling there in the kitchen. This is ready for public consumption. You know what I'm talking about. So guess what God's doing us? He's getting us ready for public consumption. Y'all ready? But I want to be a part of a church that delivers a double punch that moves in the fullness to do what God's called us to do. And how about we make some history together, make some fun together, make some memories together. Uh, but well, we make an impact. Amen. We're a family on mission. That's who we are. That's how we roll. We need you to help us. All right. Hop to your feet. I'm going to pray for you this morning. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a shout for the wisdom of God? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you're a genius. Only you could have thought of something so simple and yet so profound for the body of Christ. Help us, Lord, to grow up into you, to mature and to be fully formed as a church family here. Thank you for the fruit you're giving us. Thanks for the lives every single week that are being impacted. Thanks for all the souls we're going to see, Lord, from this week at Spring Hill Camp. We're just believing that many young kids are going to encounter you for the first time. We thank you for it in advance. Bless us now, God. We're getting ready to leave the family gathering, and we're heading out to our mission field. So I ask you to help us to love people really well and to impact their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.